0: Go ahead and pull out your notes. Anybody ready for a a word from the living God today? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. This thing's crooked, but we'll deal with it. What did I say? Bibles? Yeah? Notes? Acts chapter 2, this morning. Sound familiar? Bet you can't guess which verses in Acts chapter 2. I'm just kidding. We'll see which verses we talk about. We'll see. Acts chapter 2, something to to take notes with. Make sure you have something. We believe church is a participation sport around here. So make sure your neighbor has what they need to participate. Some notes this morning. They don't have it, elbow them until they pull it out. Because worst case scenario, they get bored and they have somebody to text or something like that, right? We are uh, wrapping up a series this morning that we are in week five of, our final week called Five Rooms. And we have been talking about five consistent elements of Individuals who follow Jesus or communities of Jesus followers throughout Scripture and throughout history. Five consistent elements of those types of people um, who really saw the kingdom of God come in a mighty way. They didn't just get together on Sundays. They didn't just put some religious label in their social media profiles. They saw the kingdom of God come. And that's what I want. And I think that's what you want, isn't it? That's what we're going for, and so that's why we've been going after this series, and the point of this series is to underscore and and illustrate that uh, for us to step into the full reality of what God is calling us into as individuals and as a community, if we want to see everything that God wants to do, the kingdom of God, if we want to see the impact that the kingdom of God can have in the world around us, it's not one-dimensional, that's kind of the point of this series. That's not one-dimensional. We, we're coming off of a series called uh, a, a Church-Like Home, and now we're talking about what are these five rooms that make up a healthy house of the living God, to a, a healthy people, and, and it's not one-dimensional. So over these five weeks, the whole point is that no one of these things is the one thing, right? They're, they're all together the main thing, that God is not just one-dimensional in your life. He wants to do a lot of different things in a lot of different ways and permeate every bit of your life. Amen. So we've been talking about five different things. We started with personal devotion, that God has invited you into a lifestyle of personal devotion to Him, where you know Jesus. Our second week, we talked about making disciples, that God just doesn't want to do something in you, but we're actually built to walk in community and make disciples of one another. talked about how Jesus is our rabbi, and we're all His disciples, just helping each other be shaped by who He is. I learned a lot that week preparing for that message, how, how uh, in the Jewish culture, when disciples were trying to become like a rabbi, they would watch him, and then they would get in small groups and talk about it, and they would say, because they wanted to be like the rabbi, and they would say, okay, he just said that. What do you think he meant by that? Or you saw him just do that. What, what do, why do you think he did it that way? I just love thinking about all of us getting together, talking about Jesus like that. Did you see him do that? What do you, why do you think he did it that way? What do we have to learn? Do, okay, he says this. What, what do you think he means by that? What does that mean for our life? Our third week, we talked about living uh, in, a, in a house-to-house community type of lifestyle, not just that we all live in a commune together. That's not really what we're going for. But that Acts 2, 42 through 47 talks about, it, it, it illustrates for us this lifestyle of being the church, it, it, and it's centered around the house, meaning it just centered around all of life. It wasn't just a Sunday routine. It was like following Jesus, being a part of the people of God. It was a, it was a lifestyle. It wasn't just a pit stop one day a week. And last week, we talked about our corporate gatherings, that gatherings like these, all through Scripture and all through history, have helped shape the people of God and help people step into what God is doing in the earth. And so our final week this morning, the last core element that we need to have if we're going to be a healthy house, if we're going to be a church-like home, is living on mission. Living on mission. So you can write that at the top of your page. And before I lose anybody thinking that uh, this is just about Topher in Dubai or this is just about missionaries in other countries, I want to say that, that before living on mission has anything to do with where you are or with what you're doing, it has everything to do with what you believe. I yeah. to write that down. Before living on mission has anything to do with where you are or what you're doing, before all that, it has everything to do with what you believe. What you believe. In preparing for this message uh, this week, I uh, was honestly having a really hard time for a while, and I just felt like I was coming up against this block. If, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that I'm, I'm pretty much a vision guy. Like, no matter what we preach on it, that's, you're going to get a lot of vision, you know? And so my struggle this week wasn't a lack of vision. There was, it was actually felt like I had too much vision. But in the midst of all of this vision of like, yes, what God can do in and through us as the people of God, the the, the opportunity, the invitation to live on mission, I couldn't shake this feeling that I was supposed to apologize for something. I finally realized it like yesterday. Like, that's what this feeling is. There's, there's like this feeling that that... And if we're going to talk about this, there's this sense that I feel like I need to apologize because, because the, the other four things that we've talked about, if you really want to, I'm not saying you're doing this, but if you want to, you can sort of compartmentalize them and just kind of make it about you. Make them about like what God wants to do for you, and you can kind of be the center of that little thing. And that can be your motivation for why you be involved or why you live a lifestyle, of personal devotion. It's like, well, okay, God's going to do something great in me or discipleship. Someone's going to invest in me and that's great. Or I'm going to have friends or people are going to, you know, whatever. If you wanted to, you could do that. But when it comes to living on mission, you can't get around the fact that God is asking something of you. God is absolutely asking something of you. If you're going to live on mission, living on mission will cost you something. It will cost you something. You can't get around it. It's going to cost you some money. Whatever that means, in some form or fashion, you can pretty much guarantee if you want to be a part of the mission of God, it's going to involve your money at some level. You're, you're, it's, going to, it's going to cost you some of your time that you hold really dear. Sometimes you don't have the time. But, but if you want to be a part of what God's doing in the world, it's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some convenience, right? Like the other four you can make about you, but living on mission, it's kind of hard. It's going to cost you something and I just realized that I I have this feeling and and I'm not saying it's, it's you and I'm not saying it's me but kind of like it's all of us slash none of us I don't know but I think that there's like this thing in our culture that's like if God starts asking something of me like easy like hey now and I was like, man, I don't like that. I don't like that there's that feeling in me. And, and, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's from you. I just think that there's this thing in us humans sometimes. It's like, yeah, God wants to give a lot to me, but he wants to ask something of me now. Like, what about grace, right? What about grace? And so I was, I'm like, okay, God, what do we do about that? And, and I just, just made it so clear. There's nothing to apologize for. <laughs> like, oh, that's super freeing. That's great news. There's actually nothing to apologize for. And this morning, in talking about living on mission, it is not my goal, and I know for a fact it's not God's goal, that in talking about living on mission, that in in trying to encourage you into a lifestyle of living on mission, and trying to equip you for a lifestyle of living on mission, in the mission of God, it is not my goal, and I know for a fact it's not God's goal to put some heavy religious duty on your back. I know for a fact that it is actually God's goal to unlock you from the chains that are holding you back from the life that he created you for. We think it's a big burden, but God's actually saying, I'm trying to free you from the burden. There's all these chains I'm trying to let you out of to release you into mission. To release you into the lifestyle that you're created for. Because the mission of God is actually the catalyst for everything God's made you for. You cannot live the life you were made for without living on mission. I'll say it again. Let's see a bunch of smiles. You cannot live the life God made you for without living on mission. And I really think that what immobilizes us from the mission of God is a lie that we believe in our hearts. What immobilizes the mission of God in our life has nothing to do with us not being in the right place. It has nothing to do with us not doing the right thing. It has everything to do with what we believe about who God is. What immobilizes us, all of us, including me, most often is a lie that we believe about God. It's not that our location is not right. It's not that we're not equipped enough that God can't use us. There's actually a lie that we believe about God, and it absolutely immobilizes us. And it's easy when we talk about living on mission to have this response. Okay, God's asking something of me. And that's true. He is asking something of you. And it's easy when God asks something of you to see that as God is trying to take something from you. If God's asking something of me, I'm scared He's taking something from me. And as long as we think that when God asks something of us, He's taking something from us, we're always going to resist responding. He must be taking something from me if He's asking something of me. But it's a lie. 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 God's not trying to take something from you. Here's the truth. Can we have some truth to fight some lies? How many of you know you don't need positive talk to fight lies? You need the truth. And Jesus himself is the truth. And he can conquer every lie in your life and set you free. The truth is this, is that when God asks something of you, he's offering something to you. And it makes no sense, but it's true. How does he do that? We need to get this lie turned around that when God asks something of me, he's taking something from me, and now I'm scared. We need to learn to to let our minds get renewed by the truth of who God is, how good he really is, that when God asks something of you, he's offering something to you. As long as we believe that when God asks something of us, that he's taking something from us, we'll always resist responding. But he wants to unlock you this morning. I said he wants to unlock you this morning. When he speaks, he wants to unlock you. So I've got a little illustration for us this morning. I got some helpers, and we have no rehears- We have not rehearsed this at all, so it's probably going to go bad. Who's my team here? Come on over, guys. All right. Steph, where are you? <laughs> all these three folks are in my life group. Give them a shout. They're amazing. Bring it on over, guys. Nice. This is a spare cabinet that we use as a table because it's the best we've got. Hey, but if there's one thing we learn around here is what? Don't complain about what you don't have. Work with what you do have. Amen? That'll preach? Yeah, you're great. Well done, team. Excellent. All right, come on over here. Y'all both stand over here. Yeah, 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 you like that? Okay, each of y'all grab a glass. Excellent. There's two glasses, one for each of you. So we're going on on this thought that if God's asking something of me, he must be taking something from me. We're trying to go after this truth, though, that makes no sense in the natural, right? But if God's God's asking something of you, he's actually trying to offer something to you. And so we uh, talk a lot. Jesus talks a lot. The Bible talks a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. It says God's promise to us. If you've never heard this before, God loves you so much he wants to fill you with himself and take care of every bit of emptiness you've ever felt in your whole heart and fill you with himself. Can we preach the gospel? Yes. <laughs> God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. This is his promise to us. And so this glass represents you. You hold it, yeah. Don't drop it. It's glass. <laughs> so, so this represents you, okay, this glass, right? Uh, you, you don't know Jesus, you're empty, you need to be filled, or, or maybe, maybe you know Jesus, but you've been tired, and, and I, I, whatever's going on, you've been empty. Anybody ever felt empty before? Can we, okay, all right, good, we're all on the same page. So you're empty, you, you need God to fill you, so, so you give him your life, you, and, and, he, and he saves you. Or, or you're feeling empty, and you pray, you seek his face, you get in his presence, you ask him to come and fill you, and here comes God, oh faithful, amen, and he fills you with the Holy Spirit. And he fills you with the Holy Spirit. And somebody said, amen. <laughs> he fills you with the Holy Spirit. So now here you are, you're full. God's filled you with a life you couldn't have on your own. And so you're living your life, and you're full of the Holy Spirit, and you're thankful. And like Psalm 92 says, you're singing for joy because he filled you when you couldn't fill yourself. And, he's, and, he, and, he, and you've encountered the gospel, and you're living your life, and it's awesome. And then Zach and his empty glass comes around. And you find yourself... You're living your full life, but now you've encountered someone or something or some situation that's empty. And God's put you in this situation where you're full and something or somebody else is empty. And uh, it requires something of you. This person's, this situation's empty glass sure could use to be full. Sure could use some filling. And you know God's asked you to do it. Can you raise it up a little bit for the folks in the back? Your crowd, your team in the back. See? Empty, full. So God's puts you in this situation now. You're full, but you've come up against something empty, and you know that God is asking something of you. He's asking something of you. Will you help fill this glass? He's tapped you on the shoulder because he's a good God, and he likes to do things with us. Amen? And he's asking something of you. And so now you're thinking, okay, Sure. I'll say yes because I love Jesus, but I'm scared because I felt empty. I was empty before. I didn't like that. And so I know how that feels. And I feel compassion for them, and I love Jesus, and he's asking me to do it, so I want to do it. But, but I'm scared of, of losing some of my feeling here because I, I like to be full. It's good to be full. I was made to be full, but now I've got to give a little something. And so you kind of start doing this dance of like, okay, yes, like is that enough? Or like, I I want to give I want to give some again because I love Jesus and, and I and I feel bad for Zach and I want and God loves him and so I want to I want to give him something but I don't I'm a little nervous to give him too much because because when I'm I'm giving it and now I'm losing it. What I'm giving, I'm I'm losing. And God asked something of me, and it took something from me. Anybody else ever been in this dance before? So here we are. God's asked something of me, and now he's taken something from me. And you're trying to do the dance of being a really good Christian that loves Jesus and and loving people and giving yourself away. And I'm trying to live on mission, but now I'm kind of empty. Now I'm kind of empty. How much do we give? But then we encounter Jesus. What does Jesus say about all this? He, he said this thing to his disciples. He says this, this command to us. He says, freely you've received, now freely give. What is that all about? Freely you've received, now, now freely give. And what, what, God's, what Jesus is trying to get across to us when he tells us, freely you've received, now freely give. He's talking to us who have received the kingdom. That's been happening all morning. It's really weird. I don't know why. We'll roll with it. It's the devil, so we're going to keep preaching. (laughs) Freely you've received, now freely you've given. He's saying freely you've received the kingdom, now give the kingdom. Freely you've received the power of the Holy Spirit, give the Holy Spirit. Freely you've received love, compassion, provision, now give freely. What Jesus is saying here. I think the order is important that he says, he doesn't say give and now you'll start receiving. He says, you have received, now freely give. And what God's trying to say to you is that he doesn't just want to give to you. He wants to give through you. What you have received, give freely. But still, we're empty. I need you to dump yours in here. That was a lack of rehearsal situation that we just got in right there. <laughs> freely you've received, now freely give. So how does this work? Well, we've got to start partnering it with what other, other things that God says, other parts of his reality, because his promise is actually uh, not just that he wants to f- fill you, but that he wants to f- flow right. through you. Right. He doesn't just want to give to you, he wants to give through you. And, and then there's, so now you need something, and he fills you because he's good. And he promised, I will fill you with the Holy Spirit. And you encounter the truth of the living God, that he is faithful. And if you'll call out on his name, you'll be saved. And if you ask for him to fill you, he will fill you. What does he say? All through Acts 1, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt in Jesus' voice. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. But now again, here comes Zach. And we see it as there's this relationship here where I'm over here, and now Zach's over here, and I've got to give, give and then I, I lose. But actually, God's saying, okay, I have filled you, but I've taught you that I'll fill you when you're empty, but now I want to tell you that I'm going to flow through you when you're full. Hold here. Hold it. Hold it. So not only am I going to fill you, I'll fill you freely you've received, now freely give. And I don't just want to anoint your head with oil, I want your cup to overflow. I'm not just going to fill you with a pond of living water. When you believe in me and the scriptures have said out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. In Jesus' name, I'm not just trying to fill you, I'm trying to flow through you. When God's asking something of you, He's trying to give something to you. Stay there, because how many of you know, how many of you know, you can be filled, but the only way to stay fresh is to flow. When He's asking you to give what He's given you, it's because He wants to give you something fresh. He's trying to give you something more. The only way you can give something more that's full Is to flow. The only way to fill what's full is to overflow. And this is the promise of God on your life when He's inviting you into living on mission. He's asking something of you because He wants to give you the overflow of the Holy Spirit. He's not stopping it filling you, He's trying to flow through you in Jesus' name. Can we give our volunteers a round of applause? it's just your hands, that's all. Okay. Just a little wet. Before living on mission is about where you should go. It has everything to do with what you believe about God. Yeah. When he's inviting you in to what it's, something that's going to cost you, what do you believe about his invitation? Is he taking something from you or is he offering something to you? And you won't know until you step in. before living on mission can be about where you are and what you're doing, it has everything to do with what you believe about who God is. And before living on mission has anything to do with where you should go, it has everything to do with what you believe about where you are. It has everything to do with what you believe about who God is, and living on mission actually has everything to do with what you believe about where you are. A few weeks ago, we talked about some verses in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I didn't tell them any of this, so we'll see if they got it. Anybody else got your Bible? You can turn there yourself. You're good. But anyways, it says this. Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Is this sounding familiar? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This great commission, Jesus says, I want you to go. I want you to live on mission. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And that's scary because that sounds a lot like different countries, right? Sounds a lot like he's asking me to go somewhere I don't live. Different people, different cultures, different languages, and I'm not qualified for that. And so this Great Commission sounds good, but I don't know how it fits into my life. Before we move on, the answer is yes, God is asking you to do that. And I really encourage you to do it. And... This summer, we're doing our summer trip here in Indianapolis, but we've got some folks going to Haiti and Indonesia, and every year in the summer, we're going to be doing trips overseas to visit people like Topher and our friends in Indonesia and all kinds of other places, and I encourage you to start setting your heart now to the default of, yes, I will go. Because no, you're not qualified, but where did he list that? He's inviting you into something. So yes, we are going to do that, but that's not what we're talking about today. I want to talk about not where you need to go. I want to talk to you about where you are, where you are. Because living on mission starts with what you believe about God. But the next question is still not, okay, I've got my belief in God set. Now, where do I go? The next question is, I've got my faith in God set. Now, where am I now? Where am I now? Look at your neighbor and say, where am I? (laughs) The word that Jesus uses here in Matthew 28 for nations it's not a word that exclusively is talking about geographical sovereign nations, saying just go across other country bound, other countries' boundaries and tell these people. It includes that, but it's not exclusively that. The word literally just means other groups of people. And those can be in other sovereign nations, and those can be across the room. Those can be in another department at your workplace. Just If there's a group of people, that's what Jesus is talking about. Go into every little group of people that you can see and tell them about me literally just means a group of people. See, the best way to know who the people are that you're called to reach is to look around. The best way to know who the people are on this planet that God has called you to reach is to look around. We're going to get this past the, two, the first two rows. Come on, somebody. Somebody in rows threes and beyond say, I can look around. <laughs> it's the best way to find out what's God calling you to is just to look around are you a business owner do you see other business owners around you who better who better to reach business owners than you a business owner are you a mom that sees a lot of moms are you a high school student that when you look around you see a lot of high school student Are you a girl that looks around and sees girls? A boy that looks around and sees boys? Are you a rich person that sees rich people? Are you a poor person who sees poor people? Are you a manager who sees managers? Are you a minimum wage worker who sees other minimum wage workers? Are you a technician who sees technicians? An employer who sees employers? An employee who sees other employees? Who are you? And what do you see when you look around? Because that's exactly who God has called you to. Where you are is where you are. Wherever you are, there you are. We like saying that around here if you haven't heard it before. See, in your life, I had you turn to your neighbor and say, where am I? That's never the question. You know where you are. Where you are is obvious. Wherever you are, that's exactly where you are. The question is, what do you believe about where you are? In Matthew 28, Jesus tells them to go to every group of people and make disciples of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, he promises, okay, I've given you this fairly large mission, and I promise you that I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive the power to actually do what I'm asking you to do. That's Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two, the day of Pentecost happens and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, they didn't know what it was gonna look like, but it happens and they they couldn't miss this one because now they're standing up and they're all speaking in different languages outside of this room that they were tucked away in. And they're in Jerusalem during the the festival of Pentecost. So there's people from all around different countries and regions and neighborhoods and, and dialects and everything. And so they stand up and they're all preaching in new languages that they didn't know that morning, but the Holy Spirit came in them and he equipped them with the language to reach all of these different people. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, which you don't have to, you can just take my word for it if you are confident enough in me, there's a lot of different people listed. It says, so, so I want you to picture this, okay? So there's these, these people, these disciples, that they just got filled with the Holy Spirit, and now they're standing up on street corners shouting the gospel in different languages, okay? So is it weird, is it, is it weird in your head? Is what you're picturing weird? If it's not weird, you're not right. <laughs> it's weird, okay? Okay. So picture this. And so there's all these different nationalities there. There's Parthians and Medes and Elamites and people from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and all these kinds of other places. And so they're they're speaking all these different languages and it begs the question, at least to me, how did they know who was reaching who? I didn't even know I could speak this language. Maybe they didn't even know what the language was they were speaking. Now call me too simple, but... I think that we could infer into Acts chapter 2 that the way the disciples knew, for example, who was going to reach the the Phrygians was probably the disciple that had Phrygians around him was speaking Phrygian. They probably just deduced from there that you're the guy for them. I wonder where you are and what language you speak. Are you a mom that speaks mom? Come on, somebody. Come on. Are you a, a guy that speaks guy? A dad that speaks dad? O- a business owner that, that speaks business? What if it wasn't just a college degree you got? What if it wasn't just a house you moved into? What if it wasn't just your child you happen to have at this time and that specific child? What if it was God? What if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? What if you are the disciple filled with the Holy Spirit speaking the specific language of the specific people you happen to be around right now? What if you're the one? What if you're the one? What if you are the one? Say, I'm the one. I'm the one. Call me crazy. Call it simple, but it just seems right. This is how you know who God's called you to. By looking around. And he's equipped you with the language. You don't have to go somewhere else. You don't have to do something else. It starts with, do you believe God really is on the move? Do you believe that God really does want to use you? And what do you believe about where you are? Was it an accident? Was it just a job? Or is Jesus maybe bigger than circumstance? Could Jesus be using you? This is what I mean when I say that living on mission doesn't start with where you are. It doesn't start with what you're doing. It starts with what you believe. And once you get these beliefs set, the next question is, okay, how do we start doing this? How do we start stepping into this lifestyle of living on mission? And the first thing that you can do to start living on mission is show up. I don't know if you've ever looked through the Gospels. Like, Sometimes I, I try to take through it and, just, and like, make it a little simple. Sometimes I make it complicated to read the Bible is what I'm trying to say. Anybody ever made it complicated? Yeah. Okay, mainly me, but it's... The pastor thing, I guess, I don't know. But I was looking through the Gospels, and I was wondering, okay, Jesus, how did you consistently find yourself in these crazy situations where you did these miraculous things that changed the course of history forever? Like, you're one dude, for three years you lived this ministry, and, there, and then, who was it? One of, the, uh, one of the Gospel writers said, if we wrote it all down, not all the books and the, all the libraries and all the world could handle all the stories. I'm like, that's a lot in three years, okay? Like, you're a busy dude, I guess. I don't know. So how did you consistently find yourself in these situations? And I was looking for something super spiritual, but I just find that he just kept showing up. There was nothing really that special. Like John eleven seven, he raises Lazarus from the dead. When it starts, let's go to Judea. Luke uh, nineteen, Zacchaeus. Remember the story of Zacchaeus? The, verse one, uh, Luke 19:1 says he entered Jericho and was passing through. He wasn't even looking for Zacchaeus. He just showed up. He just showed up in Jericho. And so I was like, wow, this is getting interesting. So I just went to the book of Mark and was like, let's see how simple this is. Just the other day. So I started going to the different subtitles of miracles and just seeing what's the first sentence? How do these things start? Okay, here we go. Mark 1.14, Jesus came into Galilee. Mark 1.16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. He calls some disciples. That changed the world. Mark 1.21, they went to Capernaum. Teaches at a synagogue. Heals a man with a demon. That's crazy. That's crazy. Mark 1.29, he left the synagogue, and then he went to Simon and Andrew's house, and then he heals a bunch of people. Mark 1.25, he wakes up. (laughs) That's just Mark chapter 1. Like, these are stories that we could preach crazy sermons on, but he just showed up. Jesus had this crazy habit of just being there. And it's like he believed that he was on a mission And it wasn't about where he was. It wasn't just about what he was doing. It's just wherever I am, there I am. And I believe that God wants to use me. You don't need to go find a mission field. When you show up, wherever you are, it becomes a mission field. You're like a traveling mission field. If you can exist in a physical location at any given time, you can live on mission. And you're great at that. I just want to tell you. If nobody's told you you're phenomenal at existing in a physical location at some point in time, you are like as good as anybody I've ever seen. You're doing a great job at that. So you're like 90% there. Once you start showing up, what else did Jesus do? Well, he just kept talking. He just started talking to people. That's, this is just not complicated. I'm not saying it's not scary, especially the talking part, Right? This is the one, show up, okay, I can show up. I have a habit of showing up places, okay? Like, I'm pretty good at being somewhere. But the talking part, that's where we get scared. This is definitely kind of the harder part. Uh, it's definitely harder than just being somewhere. But I found the secret sauce. Anybody want the secret sauce? Yes. Okay. The secret sauce to not only showing up, but then talking. To not just showing up, and, but, but actually but actually stepping into what God's doing in that location around those people in a given moment, to stepping into responding to that little urge that you feel from God, or just that little thought you have. The the secret sauce to, to, to talking and stepping into what God's doing is so simple, and I found it after all these years. Do it. All you got to do is do it and, it, and it happens. When you do it, you do it. That's the secret, and Jesus just lived this life. He's like, well, I guess I'll, they need a savior. I'll Do it. I'll show up. I'll show up on purpose and I'll 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 do it. I'll do it. All it takes to do whatever God's asking you to do is for you to do it. Just do it. Just do it. And you will see God do what only He can do. Topher can't close brothels. He can show up. He can ask some people to pray. He just talked and then God did it. Right? You want some more testimonies of what happens when some people show up and just talk? Sure. Do it? We, we, we were going to try to show this video, too. We Heather and I, one of our best friends in the world, her name's Nicole, and she is part of Engage the Islands. Everybody remember the whole Indonesia thing going on right now? It's amazing. She's leading one of the bases there for the summer, and she sent us this video, and she told us this story that uh, she did the craziest thing in the world that only missionaries can do, and she got in a taxi. <laughs> she showed up somewhere. She's like, we got in the taxi, and they were on the way to an outreach that they were going to do. So they weren't even in missionary mode yet. So the taxi driver starts talking to them. So they, they talked back. <laughs> and they started having this conversation. And, and so the taxi driver asks them, what do they, what do they believe? And they start telling him about Jesus. And he just starts crying, and he's amazed. And he's just like, how is this true? How is this love? How could this love be true? How, how could there really be a God like that who really loves me like that? They're just, just in a taxi ride. And, and he's saying, How can this be true? How has not everybody heard this before? And they're just telling him about, about Jesus, and he looks at them and he says, Why aren't there more of you? My whole country needs this. My country needs this message. Why aren't there more of you t- telling us? And so they turned to him and they said, Well, who, who, do, who do you want to tell? And he, and he doesn't even follow Jesus. And he's like, Oh, I'm going home. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to tell my family. I'm going to tell my wife. I'm going to tell my kids. You're gonna start talking. Incredible, God does what only He can do. When you'll show up and when you'll talk. A few weeks ago during Give and Take, my mom shared that testimony going to the bank. Y'all, y'all remember this one? She went to the bank and I forget how you caught wind of this. Maybe because she's my mom and she's got these mommy antennas and picks up on stuff. And uh, the the lady needed prayer through the drive-through because she was having she had cancer before and it was. She was symptomatic again and was about to go in for tests. And so over the bank intercom thing, my mom prays for her real quick because we believe God takes tumors out of bodies. Hallelujah. So she prays, and then uh, I guess like a week ago, she's back at the bank, and the woman's like, all my symptoms are gone, and all my tests came back negative. (laughs) Come on. Come on. It's going to happen for our whole city. Cancer's not allowed here. So we're going to see it. Come on, you show up and you just talk. Just started talking. When when Cade when needed radiation every day for two weeks, we just showed up and started praying and blew people's minds. Doctors are like, what are these people doing? They're here every morning. Praying, <laughs> worshiping, seeking God in this dungeon of a basement. Because we believe it's not a game and Jesus is alive. I just heard this story yesterday. Jared Rogers, is he in here? I don't know, maybe he's in Kids. Y'all know Jared Rogers? He's yeah. Him and his wife are awesome. He was just telling me yesterday he started a new uh, real estate photography business. And I was like, okay, cool, how do you start making connections? And he starts telling me this crazy story of like, well, the realtor that helped us with our house like a year and a half ago, uh, she like doesn't really like God and all that kind of stuff, but couldn't believe our story because Jared and Hannah moved up from College Station, Texas, uh, just to be here and be part of this church, just to serve People and be like, I believe God's going to move into Indianapolis, so we'll show up. And so they needed, they needed a house, and so they showed up to their showings of a house, and they showed up with a realtor. And they started talking to this realtor. The realtor is saying, "What's your story? Why'd you move here?" And they're like, "Well, we just really believe that God wants to do something great in this city." She's like, "I don't believe any of that, but that's amazing." <laughs> like, couldn't believe it. And so she, that woman has followed up with them over the last year or so. I know, heard how's this going with the house? Blah blah blah. So Jared starts this real estate photography business, reaches out to her and is like, hey, can I can we meet and can you just like give me some pointers on how to get connected, you know, how do I get this thing off the ground? Do you have any connections for me, any of that? Turns out she's like number 12 out of 971 realtors in their group in the and just in our city. And so she's like, You're doing amazing. And actually, before he could meet with her, she's like, Yeah, that's great, we'll meet, but I need you to come do a photo shoot right now. <laughs> So she's like, yeah, you're great. I I trust you. Come on. So now he's connected with like the number 12 realtor in the whole city. And so anywhere he goes, when he mentions her name, they're like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, take pictures of my house. That's awesome. And then he tells me that he's partnered with these guys at another Antioch up in Michigan who have a real estate photography business who I don't know what the story is, but apparently they have worked their company to where all the editing gets done overseas somewhere by people who have been rescued out of sex trafficking. So Jared moves to Indianapolis to jump into this church, does like four jobs that he hates, but just kind of doing what he can. They move into a house, meet a realtor, here we go, gets an ambition in his heart, I'm going to start a photography business, I want to have. I want to do something on my own, you know, like, come on, come on, man, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So he's like, I'm going to do it, makes a phone call, gets connected with this girl, starts having business, and now $0.17, 17 cents of every dollar of business he does Gives income to somebody directly who's been rescued out of sex trafficking. Amen. Who, what? Yeah. In what kingdom does this happen? Jesus' kingdom. Yes. It's awesome. Stefan, I was just talking to him yesterday. Raise your hand, Stefan. everybody give him a shout. Yeah. Stefan's awesome. We were We were playing basketball yesterday, and he just starts telling me all these stories of just like... All these clients he has, as he does hair, he just starts talking to them. And all these people that he, like, follows up with consistently, helping them, like, make sure they read their Bibles, and they make sure he reads his Bible. And it's just like, what? Is that normal? Because I didn't think so. (laughs) Like, here's this guy doing people's hair, and now he's helping them follow Jesus. Like, I thought missionaries were supposed to do that stuff. Just showed up and started talking. Just showed up and started talking. God's not just throwing you out into the wild either. When he's asking you to show up and he's asking you to start talking, he's not throwing you out into the wild for you to figure it out by yourself. He, He actually wants to speak to you while you're showing up. And when you don't know what to say, he wants to speak to you, what to talk. So the third big part about living on mission is just listen. Listen to Jesus. Don't forget this one. Listen to Jesus because God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. What I wanted to show you in the glasses is that God wants to use you, but he doesn't want to use you up. Oh, I love that. Most people have no idea. He wants to use you because you're made for, it, but he doesn't want to use you up. He wants to speak to you the whole time. That's how he flows, is when we listen. Because when he speaks, he creates When he speaks, he leads. When he speaks, he empowers. If we'll listen, we can do this. If you don't know where you are, if you don't know what to believe about him, if you don't know what to believe about where you are, if you don't know if you're in the right place, just start by listening because he wants to speak to you. Now, if you're pulling a Jonah and you're like, you are where you are and you know you shouldn't be there, there because you didn't listen, Don't waste your time blaming God. Just get your behind to whatever Nineveh you're supposed to be in. Listen like the first time and then we'll get going. Amen. Don't blame God for somewhere you put yourself because you ignored him, right? It's like, oh, God's not speaking. Yes, he did. Listen. We can listen. We can listen. If you're wondering, God, what do you want to do where I am? Don't just worry about dreaming it up. You'll exhaust yourself. Listen to Jesus. He's got bigger and better dreams than you can ever imagine for you and for the people around you. If you need faith where you are right now, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you need to see where you're going right now, God's word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you need solid ground to stand on, his word is a rock beneath your feet. Listen, listen. Are you in a desert? Let the Holy Spirit come Let the voice of the Lord make straight the highway for our God. Do you need a stream in the middle of a desert? Let him restore your soul. Are you next to the grave? Let him speak life into your soul. Listen. To Jesus are you on the mountaintop let him write his word on your heart before you f- hear I'm living on mission so I've got to go somewhere else and I've got to do something else to live on mission before you do that listen listen to what God is saying about who he is about where you are and about who you are I want you to stand this morning I talk too much, so we don't have time to worship, but we can pray. You know how we always have people off to the side to pray? We're still going to do that, even after the service ends, because I got in trouble last week. Uh Somebody's like, I needed prayer. I was like, well, then we will always do it. Thank you for the reminder. So after the service, we're going to have people off to the side to pray, because we believe that when God speaks, we get to respond. And we want to be people who respond to the word of God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's here this morning, and he's speaking to you. It's not just for funsies, though it is fun. He wants to do something through you. I encourage you to respond. And so I want to pray this morning um, that, God, that God would send us out, um, not just send us out from church, but that he'd send us out in the power of the Holy Spirit to live on mission. And I'm going to ask that, that today and that even in this moment or this week, that, that if you will, if you will uh, if you'll take the risk of giving God a few seconds to say, God, what do you want to do where I am, that'll actually answer. So I dare you. <laughs> I dare you to do it. And if you need prayer for anything before you leave, we're going to have some folks off to the side would love for you to get that prayer. If you've never decided to follow Jesus and you know today's the day you need to make that decision, don't leave without talking to somebody because he's ready. He's ready, and today's a great day to follow Jesus. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your promise. We thank you for uh, just the, the truth of this whole series, these five rooms. We thank you for the scope of the life that you've invited us into. We thank you that you're so much better than to invite us into something one-dimensional. You're inviting us into something that's bigger than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so, Lord, would you expand our hearts, our minds, our ears to believe and to hear. Lord, make us a people that show up, that talk and listen. God, teach us to walk with you. And God, I ask in the power of the Holy Spirit right now that you'd speak to every person in this room. Speak to every single one of us. Show us the people the, the specific people in our lives that you've put us around on purpose. Lord, I pray that every single person in here would take the time to ask because it matters this week. And Lord, just show us, show us the people. And I thank you that your promise is that when you fill us, you equip us. We have all the power we need to speak the language, to, to pray for the sick, to bring the kingdom, and to see people encounter you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, so just speak over you this morning. Be free to let God flow through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Can we give God a round of applause this morning? How good he is. So thankful for you to take time to be in church this morning. I needed it. I hope you did too. Love you so much.